Searching for last-minute gifts? Shop the last-minute deal sale at Virginia ABC and save 20% on select 750-milliliter bottles. That's 20% off gifts for the hard to shop for. 20% off gifts guaranteed to fit. 20% off gifts to celebrate the season. And 20% off a little gift for yourself. Shop the last-minute deal sale at Virginia ABC. In stores and online now through December 21st. Please sip responsibly. This is the American Veteran Show. Proud to finally say these two words. Welcome home. Dedicated to those who have worn the uniform. Tremendous national asset. Dedicated to our active duty men and women. They came not as conquerors, but as liberators. Dedicated to presenting issues, topics, and interviews highlighting their commitment to our country. I want to thank the courageous men and women who've served their country in uniform. Less than 1% of the population of our country chooses to serve our country in the military. And the other 99% of us, we owe them. Online at AmericanVeteranShow.com. Here's Stephan Tubbs. Welcome to this week's edition of the American Veteran Show. We've got such a special program coming up. I'm so glad that you're with us here on 710KNUS. Coming up uh, at the end of the program, we'll start there first. I get to play for you here on the program uh, one of the tougher assignments that I've ever been tasked with, and that would be to deliver the eulogy for one of the most incredible human beings I've ever met, Bob McAdam, featured in our documentary film from a few years ago, 25 Steps, the World War II POW and Korean War veteran. He passed away on September 11th, and just this past Friday was his funeral and memorial. So we'll wrap the program with that. Also, straight ahead, we will give you the latest on veteran suicides and some information. Frankly, friends, we try not to get political, but something is just amiss here. And we will talk about that when it comes to what government numbers say and what other veteran nonprofits say about our veterans. So many of them, way too many, taking their lives every single day. We could not do programs like this without our presenting sponsor, Attorney John Boson at Boson Law, B-O-E-S-E-N Law, BosonLaw.com, fighting on behalf of veterans every single day. Their number, 303-999-9999. We begin with those conflicting numbers on veteran suicides. This from KRDO Television in Colorado Springs. The VA released a new report on veteran suicides. It's a big deal because the VA hasn't released any updated data since 2019, leaving many veterans groups to complain that there was no way of knowing whether we're making progress or not. The new report is encouraging, suggesting fewer veterans nationwide are taking their own lives. However, at least one group questions whether the VA numbers really tell the full story. The suicide trends among service members and veterans continue to move in a troubling and tragic direction. That was 2012. We need to end this tragedy. That was later in 2012. Today we can help end this crisis. And that was in 2019. Now, more than a decade after the issue of veteran suicide first prompted serious action, it appears that veterans in crisis may finally be receptive to that message. If you're hurting... It's not a sign of weakness to seek help. It's a sign of strength. You will never, ever be forgotten. We are with you all the way. Among the findings in the VA's report released this week, the veteran suicide rate fell by 9.7% from 2018 to 2020, nearly double the drop among the general population. And 2020 
had the fewest veteran suicides since 2006. The report calls the data encouraging, proof that all the suicide prevention programs, public service announcements, and support groups for veterans are working. But not everyone is convinced. There's a two-year lag between the year of reporting and the year of studying. Back in July, Jim Lorraine, president of America's Warrior Partnership, talked to KRDO about the lack of new data coming from the VA. And just days ago, his organization released a study conducted in eight states that found individual counties often don't check whether a suicide victim is a veteran, leading to a significant underreporting of the veteran suicide rate. America's Warrior Partnership believes the actual suicide rate of veterans from 2014 to 2018 was 37 percent higher than the VA's numbers. And it believes the actual number of veteran suicides per day over that period was 24 instead of 17, as reported by the VA. The VA didn't respond to the nonprofit's report, saying it had no way of verifying how that data was collected. Even if the VA's report is correct and the nationwide trend is improving, that appears to not be the case in southern Colorado. According to the most recent coroner's report, 52 people with active or prior service took their own lives here in 2021 compared to just 35 in 2020. I have had more friends commit suicide than die in combat. Retired U.S. Marine Captain Shane Krebs enlisted in the military after 9-11. used to be at the beginning of the war uh, that if you came out and even mentioned the words PTSD, uh, you'd get discharged. He has been deployed to Iraq and Afghanistan and says since he left the military, more of his friends have died by suicide than in war. We've reached a point where if you're not discussing it, um, then, then you're doing yourself and the rest of your comrades and injustice. According to the Department of Veterans Suicide Prevention Report that came out this month, a little more than 6,000 veterans died by suicide in 2020, the lowest suicide rate among veterans since 2006. I would say that they're off. Um, I don't know if the VA takes into account the accidental overdoses. Um, I don't know if the VA takes into account veterans that are not in the VA system. According to a study from America's Warrior Partnership, a nonprofit working to end veteran suicides, more veterans have died by suicide from 2014 to 2018 than the VA reported. The report says in eight states, including Florida, the number of suicides among veterans was 1.37 times more than the VA reported. The VA responded with a statement reading in part, quote, we take every step possible to make sure that our veteran suicide data is accurate. Our methodology for creating this report is well established and consistent based on verified data from the CDC and DOD and meets the quality and standards of a peer-reviewed publication. One veteran suicide is one too many and the VA will continue to accurately measure veteran suicide so we can end veteran suicide. Canines for Warrior CEO Rory Diamond works with veterans every day and he too says something has to be done. It's still much more likely that a veteran will take their life than someone who didn't serve and we need to get that to zero. September is Suicide Awareness Month. This year's National Veteran Suicide Prevention Annual Report is shining a light on how much it affects soldiers. The data goes from 2001 to 2020. The report says veteran suicide deaths dipped in 2020 and was 343 fewer than the previous year. It also shows COVID-19 did not have an impact on veteran suicide rates. 
The VA says the report shows encouraging trends in veteran suicide counts and rates, but work remains and it takes a team effort. Everyone has a role to play. Everyone plays a part in suicide prevention. It's not just the VA. It's not just mental health. We all have a role to play. And 2020 suicide was the 13th leading cause of death among veterans overall and the second leading cause of death among veterans under age 45. You can hear that, of course, the coverage was most certainly here in the United States. But do you also think about members, member nations? Our coalition partners over the last 20 plus, 30 plus years, especially though in Iraq and Afghanistan, listen to this from Australia. Governor General David Hurley takes possession of some confronting reading. The rate of veteran suicide in Australia is a national tragedy. One Royal Commissioner Nick Caldas's draft report says is made worse by a bureaucratic system failing veterans and their families. People like Julianne Finney, whose son David took his own life in 2019. It's years overdue. If it had been done properly some years ago, I would still have my son. The report blasts the Department of Veterans Affairs compensation system as so complicated it can be a contributing factor to suicide. With a backlog of 41,800 compensation claims, the Royal Commission wants cleared by March 2024. It is vital that these are now addressed as a priority. The draft report says since 2000, 50 reports have made 750 recommendations on veteran suicide, the lack of attention by previous governments leaving it dismayed. I'm deeply sorry about that. The new minister promising he'll now act on all 13 of the draft report's recommendations. Among them, reversing the staff cap imposed by the Abbott government on the Department of Veterans Affairs and the funding cuts under the Morrison government. Morrison government minister Andrew Gee told the commission he had to slash $430 million to offset other spending. We would like an apology from the Liberal National Party for the way that we've been treated while they've been sitting in power for nine years. There is... Uh, enough blame to share across both sides of, of politics. The Commission's hearings will now continue with a final report due mid next year. That from Australia. We will continue this program and we will continue, of course, on the program to focus on veteran suicides. When we come back, we will talk about the great Colorado Veterans Project and hopefully we can get you out to the Denver Veterans Day Parade coming up November 5th, a Saturday. We'll talk with the Colorado Veterans Project coming up next. This is the American Veterans Show, AmericanVeteranShow.com. Now, back to the American Veterans Show. Here's Stephan Tubbs. Welcome back to the American Veterans Show. And we are still many weeks away from Saturday, November 5th, the next Denver Veterans Day Parade and Festival. Happy to welcome on to the program Todd Youngblood. He is Chief Development Officer for the Colorado Veterans Project, a United States Navy veteran, as well as uh, time in the Colorado Army National Guard. Sir, thank you for your service, your sacrifice, and it is great to have you on the program. I really appreciate being on today. I uh, love your show and uh, all you do for our veteran community. Well, thank you, sir. Let's talk about we, we need to we need to rally some people. And I know that's one of the reasons why we want to do this now. I mean, November 5th really is not that far away. But, you know, talk about the significance of this, Todd, because the last couple of years, there has been no parade for obvious reasons downtown. Yeah, we were on a great trajectory before the pandemic. Honestly, uh, Denver was on track to become one of the largest Veterans Day parades in the country. I think only like 
New York and maybe Washington, D.C. were larger than us the last time we held ours downtown. And we certainly want to get back to that level of significance. And it has been a challenge. We had to shut it down for a couple of years. And, and we want to encourage more people to come out and be parade participants this year and really have a great big party downtown in Denver again. Yeah, I sure hope that we can uh, with uh, via at least my shame and guilt because I've done that for years. You know, I've seen great crowds at the Veterans Day Parade in downtown Denver over the years, but I'm always wondering why aren't there more people. So let me just go through the um, the, the the basic dates, and then there's a, a, a run walk that is uh, coming back as well. Again, friends, the Veterans Day Parade and Festival is Saturday, November 5th. Of course, as you know, Veterans Day is not until November 11th. This starts at 14th and West Colfax. And right now, you need two different things, Todd, uh, in addition to, obviously, people coming out and actually participating. Number one, you need volunteers. Number two, you need people to actually be in the parade talk about those things yeah we we have traditionally had a great variety of folks that have been participating in the parade we've had motorcycle clubs we've had car clubs we've had veteran service organizations and we've had great local businesses that have put together floats or decorated dump trucks and participated in our parade in the past that's probably our biggest need at this point i think we kind of fell off of everybody's radar not doing this for the last couple of years had a lot of changeover in some of those organizations as well. And we're really just trying to get the word out through uh, great platforms like yourself uh, to, to encourage people. If you want to come down and be a participant, you want to march in the parade alongside some great high school marching bands that we already have signed up, we'd love to have you. We'd love to showcase your organization or your business uh, during the parade uh, to help us honor our veterans. Todd Youngblood is the Chief Development Officer with the Colorado Veterans Project, a Navy veteran, an Army National Guard veteran here in Colorado. He served in the U.S. Navy from 93 to 97 with the Colorado Army National Guard from 1997 to 2001. Let's talk about, um, you know, the especially the significance of, you know, I see in years past as you have the, the World War II veterans, and, you know, we are losing so many every single day, but you've got kind of this military history that's put on display at the parade, right? Yeah, we try to divide up the parade just by um, the war eras that have uh, that we've gone through. So, you know, World War One, World War Two, Korea, Vietnam, Desert Storm, and then Iraq and Afghanistan. And each of those banners is just really intended to honor our service member that served in those war eras and just really make sure uh, they get a, a, a great round of applause and a big thank you from everybody for their service uh, during their, their time in the military. Yeah, let me ask you about, uh, say we've piqued somebody's interest and they want to volunteer or somebody hears you and they, they say, oh man, I, I have a classic car, I'd like to get it out, you know, weather permitting, obviously. Is the best sure. website denverveteransday.com? That's correct. There's links off of Denver Veterans Day for the parade. So you can sign up to be a parade participant. You can sign up to be a volunteer. Maybe you don't want to build a float. You yeah. can always just come out and volunteer that day. Uh, there's information about the festival that takes place in Civic Center Park just uh, right after the parade. We have a bunch of vendors down there. We have the Kids kids Zone and a bunch of great nonprofit uh, organizations that are focused on services for veterans. So whether you want to volunteer, whether you want to participate and just see the times that everything's kicking off, 
uh, denverveteransday.com is a great site that holds all that information. This is not just the parade. I want you to talk about um, also the following weekend because Veterans Day is on a Friday, November 11th. Talk about what's going on at City Park on Saturday, November 12th. Yeah, we have a 5K, 10K run that we do every year uh, on the Veterans Day weekend. Um, it's just a really great, fun run. We're running around City Park. It's such a such a great venue to have a, a run first thing in the morning. You know, this is, you know, we're a nonprofit organization. Putting on parades and festivals isn't a million-dollar enterprise. <laughs> so the run is really a financial engine to help pay for all the fees and all the logistics to put together the parade and the festival to have that big celebration downtown. So we use the registration money that we earn from all the runners that come out, all of our sponsors of all of these events to make this thing happen. So it's, it's really a great thing for anybody that's interested in coming out to run, to walk, whatever your skill level is uh, and participate in that event. uh, So we can use that, use those funds to continue to put on these great festivals and yeah. to honor our vets. Yeah. As Todd mentioned, uh, all proceeds of registration for the uh, 5k and 10k, you don't have to just, you know, simply be a runner. You can come and walk uh, all the proceeds. And of course they'd be happy to take donations. It goes directly to helping Colorado veterans. Uh, once again, uh, Todd and I are standing on this mountaintop and we are giving you plenty of time friends to make adjustments to your calendar. Saturday, November 5th, November, November 5th is the Veterans Day Parade in downtown, uh, 10 a.m. start at uh, 14th and West Colfax. And, you know, there'll be street closures. It's safe. It is a way to show your respect. And, of course, so many, uh, as uh, Todd mentioned, about the, the high schoolers who are out with their wonderful marching bands. And then the following Saturday, November 12th, is the 5K and 10K. Tell someone, and we've, we've been able to highlight the Colorado Veterans Project uh, many times on this program, but just in case somebody hasn't heard, what is it? You know, our core mission is to build pride and patriotism uh, throughout all Colorado. And we do that by putting together these events. You know, these events are meant to uh, bring together our veterans, our active duty service members, uh, civilians within our community for a fun day. You know, a fun day in a parade, a fun day at a festival or, or a run that we put on. We do golf tournaments. We do a, a great uh, run and rock. Uh, I don't know if we you remember rocking in the military or not. It's when you put a, yep. you know, like 50 pounds on your back and you run, you know, you, you march 50 miles. In this case, it's a, it's a rock down in Colorado Springs uh, where you put 25 pounds of perishable food in your pack and all that food gets donated to veterans that are food insecure at the end of the day. So whatever the event is, the whole core concept is to bring our community together, to rally them around our veterans, um, to help them better understand the journey of our active duty military after service and ensure that our community embraces those individuals so they can thrive after service. They have the services they need, you know, from a transitional job services. They have employers that know how to get in front of veterans to hire them. They have training programs to get to after service. And you know what? If somebody's fallen down and are hard on their luck, we've got a lot of other great services from mental health services to uh, housing assistance services that we can, you know, that we support through our efforts. Um, you know, for our veterans. Well, uh, a tip of the cap, a salute uh, to all of you connected with the Colorado Veterans Project. Um, I sure as heck hope that we can get our listeners to to get on out there. Uh, again, all of the Veterans Day information coming up, and that includes the parade on November 5th, denverveteransday.com. That's denverveteransday.com. And if you want to learn more about the Colorado Veterans Project, it is a very easy website, Project. 
org. Listen, brother, you're a friend of the program, whatever we can do, not only around Veterans Day, but uh, throughout the year, you guys are more than welcome to come on. I salute you for your service and what you do. And I want to just wrap up with you by just asking you, you know, what does Veterans Day mean to you? You know, it's a great day to just enjoy the veterans community uh, in Colorado. We have so many amazing veterans in the state, you know, great guys and gals that have served our country. And there's just still that brotherhood, that sisterhood that exists uh, within the military. It's just, it's just great to be around my friends, uh, get to enjoy each other, get to uh, trade some sea stories uh, with some fellow Navy guys, and, and just really, um, you know, honor each other uh, and, and really celebrate uh, what serving this country has meant to all of us. Todd Youngblood, the Chief Development Officer for the Colorado Veterans Project. Again, coloradoveteransproject.org or denverveteransday.com. I look forward to having you on again. I will see you hopefully down there on Saturday, November 5th for the parade. And thank you for, you know, you're still serving. Even though you're not officially in uniform, you are still serving, and we salute you for that. Thank you very much. I appreciate being on today. We'll be back. This is the American Veteran Show, americanveteranshow.com. Welcome back to the American Veteran Show. We continue now with Stefan Tubbs. Glad you're with us as we continue this week's edition of the American Veteran Show. And thanks again to the Colorado Veterans Project for joining us last segment. Hopefully you took down those websites. Again, coloradoveteransproject.org or for the November 5th Veterans Day Parade in downtown Denver that is back this year after a couple of years off for very obvious reasons. Uh, Again, that is denverveteransday.com. We have a great opportunity, and I love this. Our One of our sister companies underneath the Salem Media umbrella is Regnery Publishing. And in that publishing company, they have, as we've had many authors on the program over the years, the division of Regnery History. And that, no offense to them, but that's the one that I love. And our next guest has written a terrific book. It is called Overture of Hope. Two Sisters' Daring Plan That Saved Opera's Jewish Stars from the Third Reich. And uh, its author, Isabel Vincent, joins us. And welcome to the American Veteran Show, Isabel, and congratulations on the new book that just came out not just a couple of weeks ago. Thank you so much. It's a real honor. Let's talk about what this book is about. And I love that even though we're getting with every day, obviously, further and further from what happened in World War II, that people like you highlight stories that otherwise would not be told. Uh, You take it any way you want, how the book came about or just get into, um, you know, what it's about. So this is like a footnote in history about two sisters, two British sisters who were civil servant typists in London and who became opera fans in the 1920s and 30s, befriended some of the biggest opera stars of the day, including Hitler's favorite conductor, a Viennese man named Clemence Krauss. And he approached them and asked them to please help him save some of the Jewish musicians and scholars uh, who worked for, for, for him, and they did. And these women had never met a Jew before. Um, they had no idea what was going on in Germany when the Nuremberg Laws came down. But once they understood, they just, they just went into action uh, to help save 29 families. 
they uh, would go into the Third Reich on on their weekends in, under the pretext of going to operas put on by Clemens Krauss, the conductor. And during the day, they would interview um, the would-be refugees. They would also smuggle in their uh, jewelry and fur coats, which became their only, only capital, because if you were leaving the Third Reich, you couldn't take anything with you. The Nazis stole it all. So they would just come across the border um, on Sunday nights and Monday mornings with jewelry plastered all over their Woolworths dresses. Wow. And they always thought, you know, plastered against this like really cheap dress, this stuff is all going to look fake. And so they did it and they got away with it again and again. And that's how they got a lot of people's stuff out of um, the Third Reich. Wow. The book is Overture of Hope. It's put out by our sister company, Regnery History. It came out earlier this month. Its author, Isabel Vincent, joins us on the American Veteran Show. Is it a stretch to say when I hear you talk about, you know, the the amazing kind of underground machinations that you just described? I kind of think a little bit of the sound of music. Is that too much of a stretch? No, and that's the way they've been pitching the book. That's the way the publisher's been pitching the book. And, you know, what's fascinating is that this conductor, who I also think is a very complex hero, I mean, in the same way that Oscar Schindler, the industrialist who employed Jews as slave labor in his, you know, factories during the war, okay, he saved them, but he was also a war profiteer. I mean, this guy is the same kind of, does the same kind of thing in that he takes over um, positions in the opera world that other conductors um, sort of leave behind because they don't want to work uh, for the Nazis. And you mentioned the sound of music. One of the perks that he gets is to live in the castle that was later used in the sound. No of music kidding. In Salzburg. Wow. Yeah. And so he had this like lavish apartment, you know, during the height of the war when most of Germany was, was just about destroyed. He and his wife had, you know, they had food, they had a driver, and they had the most amazing apartment. Um, he also took advantage of his proximity to Hitler to requisition the Jewish apartments in Munich that were left behind when Jews were sent to the concentration camps because he needed them for his, um, he needed him for the, the musicians mm -hmm. that he brought over for the Munich opera. Um, okay, so he's close to Hitler. He did all these things, but he was never a Nazi. And and nobody knew. I mean, you talk about the hidden history of World War II. Nobody knew until these women made it very clear to Yad Vashem in Jerusalem when they were honored that the, 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 the mainspring of their work was really Clemence Krauss and his wife, who was a soprano. Wow. Um, and that had it not been for them, these people wouldn't have been saved. So we have to, I think Austria needs to look again at this man that after the war, they put through a denazification trial and um, you know, something that led to his demise because they would not allow him to um, conduct anymore in Austria. And so this led to, you know, a, a few years of, of not being able to do the one thing that he loved. I mean, he, he really paid for his proximity to the Nazi hierarchy. Mm -hmm. But mm -hmm. I think we should also remember him as sort of a complex hero in the way that people like, uh, Oscar Schindler were. Overture of Hope is the book. You can find it now at your normal locations. Uh, Overture of Hope by Isabel Vincent, our guest here, as we have a few minutes left with her on the American Veteran Show. So how do you come across the story of Ida and Louise Cook? 
So it was just by accident. Somebody had gone to Yad Vashem, um, the uh, Holocaust Memorial in Jerusalem, and noticed the story of these two women. So I should add that they were among the first women uh, to be made righteous among the nations to get that distinction. Hmm. But you, you haven't heard of them because... I think because they were very self-effacing and very modest, and they were these very plain women. Um, at one point, Ida, who was the sister who did a lot of writing, wrote a treatment based on, uh, for a film based on what they had done during the war. And she actually, she actually had sent it to Josh Logan, who was one of the great Hollywood producers at the time who did South Pacific. Um, and I found it in the um, in the Library of Congress among Josh Logan's papers, and it wasn't you know it was very uh, modestly written. It wasn't it didn't have you know the big glamour. It didn't have a love story, uh, which is what the the Hollywood producer wanted it to have. So it never got made. But I I just think their story is tremendous. And again, you know, going back to service and what individuals can do when they're asked to do it and when they step up to the plate. In the time we have left, I would assume, you mentioned the Library of Congress, you had to do a heck of a lot of research, and I would assume as well that that goes to traveling and and trying to get just as much accurate information as possible. Yes, so this book was five years in the making. I say in my book that it was actually three years, but it involved research at archives in Germany, in Austria, in Jerusalem, in um. In New York City, I found uh, fan letters at the New York Public Library in the Rosa Poncel papers. Rosa Poncel is one of the great sopranos, one of the great American sopranos of the 30s and 40s, and a friend of Ida and Louise Cook. So Ida would write her these letters, and she was a prolific letter writer, and I could trace the trajectory of what they were doing Mm. through the letters. Mm. And then it became like detective work of matching (laughs) That with other letters that she wrote to other people in Rome, she was good friends with Tito Gobi, who was one of the great opera, Italian opera singers. So uh, at his foundation, there were a lot of letters from Ida Cook. There were many letters to um, Clemence Krauss's secretary, who was a member of the Nazi party, uh, asking, you know, to set aside these opera tickets. So uh, a lot of these things were hidden in plain sight, but it was it became like a, uh, a puzzle assembling them. And that's why we need people like you to keep these stories alive, even obviously 70 plus years later. Once again, the book Overture of Hope, Two Sisters Daring Plan that Saved Opera's Jewish Stars from the Third Reich. Its author is Isabel Vincent. Thank you so much for taking the time. Congratulations on the success. And uh, I hope it is a smashing success uh, across the country and around the world. Thank you so much. It's been a pleasure. Thank you. Thank you for having me. You bet. Likewise. Uh, We'll continue. And as we wrap up the American Veteran Show, we look back at the life of one of my all-time heroes, World War II POW, Bob McAdam. Had a chance just a couple of days ago to deliver the eulogy at this World War II heroes funeral. We'll have that as we wrap up. This is the American Veteran Show, AmericanVeteranShow.com. This is the American Veteran Show, online at AmericanVeteranShow.com. Here's Stephan Tubbs. As we wrap up the program, I hope that perhaps if you join me in sorrow, you'll also hear about an incredible veteran, Bob McAdam. 
He's been featured on this program many times over the years, and he went to be with the Lord on September 11th at 101. And I want to thank the families, both the Kangilla family, as well as, of course, the McAdam family for asking me to do the eulogy for my friend and my hero this past Friday. We're going to wrap the show up with this. So for producer Michael Arpaio, I'm Stephen Tubbs. Remember Mr. McAdam, as you'll hear ahead, and remember our troops, and we'll talk to you next week. Reverend and Deacon, thank you, and my condolences to all of you. No finer man have I met. When our paths crossed, Robert McAdam, from the first smile, the first handshake, quickly would become a hug, to what would be our final hug and I love you, he made me, and I'm sure everyone here, feel special, respected, loved, and validated. Born in 1920, Bob, the youngest of six children, and life was not easy. Things were so tough, in fact, for a time the kids were sent to live with other families. His companion as a boy, a five-cent rubber ball that he would throw and bounce and catch against walls for hours and hours on end. Now, of course, this was his precursor, his warm-up to the racquetball and handball excellence later on in life. A son, brother, husband, father, grandfather, great-grandfather, a United States veteran, a prisoner of war, a hero, though he would most certainly roll his eyes at that, a teacher, a mentor, an athlete, an author, a friend, Bob McAdam, was the wise one who spoke softly and up until the end was about as laser-focused on goals, wisdom, and love, and faith as ever. He was the ultimate man of character, and he would often say, character counts. His memory was incredible. Decades and decades after events, he remembered even at six years old the celebration here in our country and around the world as Charles Lindbergh had successfully crossed the Atlantic alone. He loved his mother. He loved his stepfather, Papa Charlie. Papa Charlie introduced our man to boxing and later in life gave a struggling young couple, well, a needed car as they had what was quite obviously a growing and expanding family. Bob never forgot that gesture, and he tried to instill the aspect of giving to his own children. One Thanksgiving Eve, the young Bob worked his butt off, only to be paid two walnuts. His shoes were so full of holes, he had to create a, a new sole with cardboard. But steps forward for Bob continued literally and figuratively. The man, like so many men and women of the greatest generation, did not complain. They overcame adversity. They accomplished. They made America great long before the phrase would become divisive at best. Like his generation, they went through the Great Depression, war, the advent of television, Elvis Presley, the tumultuous 60s, man landing on the moon. 
the highs and lows of our great country and throughout, he would remain positive, always looking at the glass half full. And though he may not have ever intended to be the wise individual, he most certainly was. We would often talk about what he'd seen in his life. He would regale in some of those events and heavily downplay others. His emails and phone calls were crisp and loving and on point. Countless times during visits to Windcrest, Bob would tell me and my documentary film partner, Jim Fassone, and his partner, Debbie, how his involvement with us, in essence, reinvigorated the last chapter of his incredible life. But the pleasure was all ours. We'd bring him lunch, which was simple. Pancakes from McDonald's and a chocolate shake. However, on at least two occasions, when we pulled up to the drive-thru on our way to see Bob, dang it, we'd missed that breakfast window. And Jim and I would panic and look at each other. Oh my gosh, what about Bob? Does he like McNuggets? And even if he didn't, he sure acted like he did. But it was never about the food. It was about the company. The precious time with a precious man. A good man. Actually, a great man. Though I say that not being bound by blood, I have no idea if he would have grounded me or punished me as the McAdam teenagers, probably at least once, one of you, most likely, at some point. He so loved his family. As an outsider, I'd hear some of the stories about what y'all were up to, and he sure loved your company, and hosting his beloved family members from around the country, and he was so proud of each and every one of you. I had only one opportunity to meet the love of Bob's life. Grace was in her final months, and even though it was a surprise, I cherish it to this day. We sang Take Me Out to the Ball Game, and after she passed, it was so evidently clear how much Bob loved and missed Grace. I know Bob and Grace and others gone before them some way too soon are here with us today. I can see in my mind Grace looking with adoration at her incredible men. I can also see him with a look of, at least maybe briefly to me, thank you, now please would you shut up and focus on someone else? Except he would not have said shut up. It is truly one of the honors of my life to stand before you and honor this great man. He aged gracefully with class, dignity, and even up until a few months ago was thrilled to offer his wisdom. So we sat together, a couple of chairs, and on video discussed many of his writings, books, and his invaluable life experience, his essays for youth. And thank you, Debbie, for bringing those to life. It was not our final goodbye that was the toughest for me personally. And I hope you know, and with the utmost respect, I do not profess to have the same grief and memories as those of you lucky enough to be connected through a family tree or blood. The toughest moment for me, however, was the penultimate visit, where I cried silent tears and had a cracked voice and tried to convey what he meant to me, as well as Jim and Debbie. And this was the only time I was really happy that he had poor eyesight because <laughs> he couldn't see, at least clearly. We were blessed to bring him those pancakes and chocolate shake one final time, and we all knew. 
And with the class, the love, the kindness only he could bring to the moment, our final visit was beautiful and ended with an I love you. Thank you, Bob. Thank you for your values and ethics and morals. Thank you for your service to our great country at such an incredibly young age. Thank you for impacting so many lives through teaching and writing and speaking. Your efforts as a family man reflect on so many of your family here today and perhaps watching now or later around the country. Thank you specifically to Tom. Thank you to Gary and Claudia for letting us non-members of your wonderful tribe get to know your father and father-in-law. Thank you, Bob, for a life so well lived. May you now soar among the angels with those that you love and so love you. May you teach St. Peter a better racquetball grip. May you and Butch now be even less than 25 steps from each other. And may you and Grace spend eternity loving and laughing together again. It is truly an honor to remember Mr. Robert McAdam with you all here today. My only regret is that I wish I had known him longer. No finer man have I met. Blessings to you all. The American Veteran Show is a copyrighted production of Mountain Time Media Group, LLC. All rights reserved. For more information, visit AmericanVeteranShow.com. Join us next week for another edition of The American Veteran Show. Looking for a fun way to win up to 25 times your money this basketball season? Test your skills on prize picks, the most exciting way to play daily fantasy sports. Just select two or more players, pick more or less on their projection for a wide variety of stats, and place your entry. It's as easy as that. If you have the skills, you can turn $10 into $250 with just a few taps. Easy gameplay, quick withdrawals, and injury insurance on your picks are what make Prize Picks the number one daily fantasy sports app. Ready to test your skills? Join the Prize Picks community of more than 7 million players who have already signed up. Right now, Prize Picks will match your first deposit up to $100. Just visit prizepicks.com/get100 and use code get100. That's code get100 at prizepicks.com/get100 for a first deposit match up to $100. Prize Picks, daily fantasy sports made easy.